new downtown pioneers, a best friend for Christmas, and one local dollar that changes everything. All this and more today on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust for December 9, 2015. It has been a holly jolly great week in Anderson with the tree lightings and parades and trees on top of cars headed home to be decorated and lit up inside houses. If you haven't been downtown, drive through about dusk and see the lights. Man, it is really nice. And the wonderful new tree. If you haven't seen the new tree, the county Christmas tree, you definitely want to see it. This is the inaugural year. It's just going to get better every year. I have uh, an inside source that tells me it might even be taller next year. There are only 15 days left till Christmas, and Anderson is ready, so bring it on. And if you haven't figured out what to buy, and you know all those hard-to-shop-for people, that friends and relatives that we all have, Visit the Anderson County Farmer's Market Holiday Market, which is only going to be open two more Saturdays. That's this Saturday and next Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The crowds have been huge out there the last couple of weeks, and the folks out there are selling something for just about everybody on your shopping list. If you haven't been to one of these, where in the world have you been at holiday time? It is packed out with all sorts of amazing gifts, handmade stuff, other stuff, something for everybody on your list, I promise you. Visit them on Facebook to see what I'm talking about. There's a lot of pictures there. Or head on out there Saturday morning at 10 and check them out. We're also brought to you by Shop Local. Shop Local Anderson in December is an Anderson County plan to promote our local businesses and support them this month by encouraging folks to shop there, dine out there, get the car checked here in Anderson, any other service you might need. Shopping Local pumps three times more dollars spent back into the local economy and into the hands of your friends and neighbors. And if you spend 25% of your Christmas dollars locally, it will have a really big impact on the community. The Anderson Observer Podcast is also brought to you by Sullivan's at Brookstone, Anderson's best spot for lunch and dinner, boy, especially at Christmas. They're open Thursday through Friday for lunch uh, and dinner, and then on dinner, lunch only from Wednesday through Sunday. Yep, that's right, Sullivan's Sunday Lunch at Brookstone. They have prime rib on Saturday night out there. Check them out on Facebook, Sullivan's at Brookstone, or at sullivansbrookstone.com. If you're looking for a place for a really great holiday meal, go try Sullivan's at Brookstone. You'll find it's really nice. It's like a little mini Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill from downtown bonus out at Brookstone. Easy parking, no long lines. You've got to visit Sullivan's at Brookstone know what I'm talking about. More good news this week if your family is thinking about adopting a pet for the holidays. Uh, pets are worth saving. That's Paul's at Anderson County's Animal Shelter has reduced adoption fees for the holidays to only $4. This program is called Bring Home a Pet for Christmas, as in the number four. And for $4, the normal fee is $55 to $65. So you can see what a huge discount it is. So if you find anybody else with this kind of discount, please let me know because I want to shop there because I'm nowhere near finished with my Christmas shopping. But if you are looking for a pet or a dog or a cat, for only $4, you can go out fill out the paperwork, they'll interview you, and you can go home with a pet for the holidays. Uh, I caught up with the uh, Paul's director, uh, Jessica Swiner, about the annual holiday adoption event. And if you wonder why we're talking, Jessica, it is, there's a holiday adoption special going on. Correct. And explain what that, how that works. Our adoption special right now is we are home for the holidays. All right, tell me when to start. Okay, so all right, let's, let's, let's back up. Um, and we're talking about a holiday adoption special here at Paws. Explain how that works for people. So what we have going on right now is our normal adoption fees is $65 for dogs and $55 for cats. That includes your spay neuter, your rabies shot, the booster shots they receive here. Um, we do testing too to make sure that they're healthy to all standards that we're able to test for. 
Um, so what we're doing is we're reducing our fees for the holidays, and this has become an annual event for us where we're reducing it for $4, hence the home for the holidays. It has actually become a wonderful program for us. And believe it or not, a lot of people see issues with getting a pet for the holidays, but we see less than a 2% return rate with these pets that go home for the holidays. Hmm. With the pets going home for the holidays that do get returned, we have to think of it as a positive note that they got a vacation away from the shelter. And then when they come back, we also learn more about their personality and are able to get them the right home the second time around. So it's dogs or cats, either one. Correct. Dogs, cats, small eight-week-old kittens, eight-week-old puppies. So um, we have a lot of seniors also that are looking for the right home. And we've actually made some wonderful adoptions here lately. And we're also asking our past adopters to go ahead and send us in photos of what they've adopted, whether it be last week or five years ago, because we're putting those on our Christmas tree to show people who come in for the first time all the wonderful success stories we have come out of the shelter. Jessica, I think a lot of people have a misconception that all y'all have out here are strays and different things. There's all sorts of dogs out here that are, that are brought to the shelter for different Correct. reasons. Some of them are trained, some of them, you know, just terrible family situations or something, they had to find some place for the animal. We, we do, we see that a lot, unfortunately. A lot of times we see puppies and kittens, but then we also see the older dogs that either a family member has gone ill or the family member who was responsible for that animal has since passed away or we see issues where people all of a sudden lose their jobs and they have to make that decision of do I provide food for my family or do I provide food for the animal and it is a very hard um, decision they make because they will sit in the back area with us when they're turning in the animal and boohoo with us you know crying letting us know how compassionate they are over this animal but realize it's the most respectful thing they could do for the animal at the time because they don't have a way to properly provide for it. Um, we do have animals that come into us that have since been chosen to go and be diabetic alert dogs. We have one animal currently that I adopted that is being trained to be a therapy dog and go into school system. Um, we've had a dog that came through here that is since retired who not only was a therapy dog but also a diabetic alert dog. So we've had a lot of wonderful animals that come through. Um, we've had dogs that have gone out to do uh, hunting championships, many wonderful stories from the animals. And we may not know their background. They may come in stray. They may not come in from an owner. But there's a variety. Of there's a kind definite of variety. Um, well, not, I know. I was going to say, uh, there's never a guarantee, but there's a good likelihood that somebody says, hey, we'd love to have an indoor dog that's already trained. I don't care if it's a year or two. Correct, old. yes. There's a good chance you might come out here and find a dog that's already been trained. and. Yeah, we have a lot of them that come in that already know how to sit, lay down, shake. A lot of them that already have a potty routine set up for when they go home with you. And we just m make sure everyone knows when they ask for a housebroken dog, we're not going to tell you straight up it's housebroken because it's going to take a time to get adjusted to your household. Mm -hmm. That time may be a, the short 30 minutes you first get at home, or it may take a couple weeks. But um, I would say over 50% of our animals here are not only crate trained, but housebroken also. Well, and as we head into the holidays, y'all seem to have a lot of animals out here. So it's a good selection for people, different size dogs, different kind of dogs. Correct. I've got little four-pound chihuahuas all the way up to um, just recently we adopted about 150-pound Great Pyrenees. Yes, um, we actually had three Great Pyrenees come in recently. Wow. We've had a dog de Bordeaux, which is another rare breed that you see. We've had some Doberman Pinschers. 
We've had some miniature pinchers come through, chow chows, yorkies, maltese. So you name all the breeds that you're looking for, and we have had it come through in less than the well, last month. This is month. just a question I'm just curious about. A dog like a Pyrenees, are they okay in this summer heat and all here, or you just have to be really careful? You have to be really careful because they can get overheated very quickly. Um, most of the dogs will end up getting homes up near the mountains where it's cooler in the summers, or they end up being couch potatoes in the summertime, enjoying the air condition because they can get overheated very easily in this lo in the lower states. Mm -hmm. And if, if you haven't been out here, there's y'all get if you come out and look at dogs, they let you take them out, walk them around. There's a yard and a little dog park. You can kind of see how they interact with you and your kids and stuff. Correct. We have over. And also, if you have another animal, you can set up a time where you can bring and see if they'd get along with right. Oh yeah, we have um, we do meet and greets with your personal pet. If you want to know if a dog will get along with a cat, we have a way that we can um, check it versus, we have glass in between, so we're not jeopardizing anyone's life, but we can at least see if they're interested in the cat, if they could care less. You know, we do meet and greets with people and their elderly pets, or they get a new puppy somewhere else and they want to see how it works with an older dog here. We have no problem meet and greet. Um, our dog park is over a thousand square feet of space where people can come and walk dogs. And that's another thing, if you're not looking to adopt right now because you have different situations going on and you can't take that permanent um, responsibility, you can come and help us walk the dogs, play with the cats. We have a lot of volunteer opportunities also. I was going to say, y'all could use volunteers. That's all the always, time. And uh, they, they can do all sorts of things like that. And Correct. Interact with the animals and stuff. It also helps us to know if the dogs have any things that they don't care for because the volunteers can get to spend more one-on-one -on -one time than we could normally so it works out wonderful for us. Well, if somebody already has like a, a, a dog or a cat, but wants a second one, how much more trouble is a second dog than having one dog? I personally is it twice as much trouble? Or? I don't find it twice as much trouble. The only thing I find that adds to your family is you have two pets wanting your attention instead of one, and then you have two vet bills instead of one. Other than that, <laughs> um, I actually find it easier to work with multiple pets um, instead of just one. So. So on the adoption thing, they basically come in, look animals, and fill out paperwork and four dollars, and they've got a. Correct. We are we are still screening to make sure that right. they are going home to good. Y'all always done that that you screen. You don't just. Correct. Um, so we're making sure you've got the adequate environment. You understand that just because the animal's four dollar adoption, that there are ongoing vet bills associated with an animal. There's ongoing food costs. So four dollars, yes, may be what it takes to get the animal into your home. But we're also going to ask that you go and spend money on enrichment toys, spend money on the leash and the collar, what you need to properly care for the animal. And how much would that average cost somebody if they're just trying to shop for Christmas now? If they're just, you could spend as little as $20, you could spend hundreds of dollars. It truly depends on what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, I have some couponers who come and donate food to us all the time, and they were able to buy seven pound bags of food for 50 cents. Oh, no, I was just talking about like a collar and the little Correct. things you were talking about. That's yeah. Pretty... So um, a collar, you can find them as cheap as a dollar. A leash, you can find as cheap as a dollar. You can mm -hmm. get higher end models, you know, for 20 to $30, but it, it's truly up to you. And then a lot of people find that once their pet is acclimated to their household, that they're able to use vocal commands and they're out in a fenced in yard, so they don't have to have the collar and leash on a regular basis just for when they go to the vet. So this is through December 21st, is that right? Correct, through okay. December 21st. So after the first of the year, y'all got some big events scheduled, some plans for next year, right? On doing some things, more chipping events and Correct. things like that. We do have more microchip events coming up. We are still doing our offsite adoption events. Um, we sometimes you can find us in Anderson, but most of the time. We're reaching out to other towns that are needing adoptable pets. 
um, Greenville, Woodruff Road, we find a lot of good homes up that way too. Well, if people haven't been out here, they ought to at least come visit and they can bring a, pound, a bag of dog food when they come or cat food or whatever. What else can they donate? Um, they can also donate newspaper and shredded paper. We need blankets and towels. Blankets and towels were really low on this time of year. Um, bleach, the original Dawn dish detergent. Um, like you said, dog food, cat food, canned food um, is also helpful, especially when we have some of the younger ones who are learning how to eat or some of the older ones who don't have the teeth. Um, moist and meaty actually helps us a lot with some of the older ones that we um, have in our care right now. So pretty much anything you can think of that could help benefit the animal, um, quilts, blankets, towels are our biggest need right now. Well, if, so if Santa's looking for an animal, Paul's is the first place to stop and, and let Santa take a look. And... Oh, Santa's more than welcome to come and join us. <laughs> All right, and one other thing we were just talking about a minute ago, we're uh, hopefully planning to start uh, a dog and cat of the week for the observer and get that going first of the year as well. So lots of new things coming up and hopefully more people will know y'all are out here. I still run into people that don't know you're out here. It's amazing. People have been here forever and don't know. I do all the time. Um, I was out shopping for my personal Christmas gifts and a lot of people didn't know about the animal shelter. So here I am handing out business cards and saying, check us out online, which um, you do a great job of advertising for us and making sure our web address is up there and then make sure they know our hours because we're open from 12 to 6, Monday through Friday and 12 to 4 on Saturday for adoption. What's the, what's the best time to come if you want to avoid a crowd? Um, I always say right at 12 is the best time because no one else is in the building yet, so right. you are the crowd. Um, otherwise, we usually get a slow moment between 2 and 4 because most kids aren't out of school yet, so we haven't gotten parents coming in with their kids. Mm -hmm. But really, um, Saturdays are our busiest day just because no one's in school, no one's usually working. But Monday through Friday pretty much any time of the day works. Well, great. Well, Merry Christmas, Jessica. And I Merry hope y'all, uh, so many people find animals that y'all have to start asking people to drop animals off. <laughs> oh, I would love for everyone to spay and neuter Just where I'd be put out of a job one day, so. All right, well, thanks a lot, Jessica. I was out at the animal shelter today and they have some really nice dogs and cats, puppies, kittens, older dogs, big and small, like we said. Some have been trained, house trained already. Uh, others are just ready to go home with a good family. Go out there and check them out. You can try them out. They've got the the um, the place there where you can go out and walk the dogs, and it's the, their own dog park out there where you can check it out. So as we get towards the end of the year, uh, a lot of folks are, and businesses are also looking for places to make donations, and that means it's a great time to look at our local charities and help rescue their budgets from what's been a really tough year. Uh, AIM, the Cancer Association of Anderson, Meals on Wheels, Foothills Alliance, and Haven Arrest are all homegrown charities, and they all need our help during this time of year to end the year strong. You can find out information about any of these at their Facebook pages, and you'll soon be able to find out all that information on onelocaldollar.org, which is a local organization founded to support our local charities and businesses one local dollar at a time. Did you know that only a, if only a third of Anderson County residents gave $1 per month, the result would be more than $150,000 in additional donations for each one of those organizations I just mentioned every single year that serve our neighbors and friends who are in need? Almost anybody in Anderson County, no matter how needy, can contribute $1 per month, and the goal is to engage this community together giving back towards the common goal of making Anderson a better place to live. And I know everybody wants to help. And if you've looked at all the surveys, the people who have the least generally give the most. So I know this is an opportunity for people who may be struggling to say I can really do something by giving $1. One local dollar will also encourage shopping local year-round. 
Nearly 75 cents out of every dollar spent locally remains in our community, while only about 40 cents of every dollar spent at a chain store stays here in the Anderson community. So that math is pretty simple. A dollar spent in Anderson goes into the pocket of your friends and neighbors and not sent out of state or out of even out of country somewhere. So let's really make a commitment this year to support our local business. And if you've got a favorite local business, again, remind us uh, at gwilson at andersonobserver.com, and we'll talk about them in one of our end-of-the-year shows that are coming up here. A few reasons to support local businesses. One is when we do it, we support ourselves. As I just mentioned, the money does stay here in our community, 75 cents out of the dollar as opposed to 40 cents out of the dollar. It also supports community groups. Nonprofit organizations receive more than 250% more support from small local business owners than they do from large uh, chain businesses. Um, it also keeps our community a unique place uh, where we shop and where we eat and have fun are all part of what makes our community home and special. When people drive through here, we want to make sure, hey, have you tried here? If you've been here, we want to take them around. It's those one-of-a-kind businesses that are an integral part of the distinctive character of Anderson. And our tourism business also benefits because when we go out and tell people about what's special here, when people vacation, they're generally seeking destinations that offer them Something different, not just some same old, you know, same old that they have everywhere. Has a reduced environmental impact when we shop locally. Locally owned businesses uh, make more local purchases and require less transportation and generally set up shop in places that are easy to get to and not on the developing fringe. This generally means they contribute less to the sprawl and congestion. Usually traffic's better at those places. Local businesses also create more good jobs. Small and local businesses are more accountable to the community. You get better service. You get an investment in our community. They put our tax dollars that are spent here to good use, and you buy what you want to buy, not what somebody wants you to buy when you shop locally. And it just encourages local prosperity all around. So I hope everybody will get out and do that and look to the one local dollar. Of the millions of dollars spent in Anderson County every year, the benefit of shopping locally could be really amazing. This kind of community engagement will also have an impact on Anderson attracting businesses to locate here, particularly international businesses, which are looking for a community that's engaged in helping each other, not only through their giving, but supporting each other in spending. So I hope that everybody will consider at least joining the commitment to the One Local Dollar this coming year. The website and Facebook page will both have information before long, and they'll be up soon. Um, I talked to a couple of guys who are already engaged in making Anderson a better place to live, through bringing downtown back to life. Steve Kay and Jeff Waters have spent their own time and money and the passion they have and vision to bring downtown Anderson back to life in a rebirth which can be traced back really, I guess, to the big uh, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill when Bill Nickus opened there about 18 years ago. That sort of helped begin the renaissance of downtown. And since then, nobody has played bigger roles than Steve Kay and Jeff Waters in making downtown a better place. We are talking to Steve Kay and Jeff Waters, and we've been talking about downtown a good bit and been wanting to get these guys on for a while. And um, just want to talk about the two of you. and the, the I know y'all both uh, invested a lot of your own time and money in making downtown a better place. And I guess we'll start with you, Steve. When, when did you open the Blackley Inn, and what gave you the idea for it? Blackley Inn, uh, March will be five years that we opened the actual, the, the inn itself. Uh, and uh, there's a, there is a neat story as far as how we got into this. We had originally bought the, um, the original building from John Pratt on Benson Street that my wife and Lynn and I live in. No intentions to get into the hotel business or anything like that. But at the same time, we bought the adjacent uh, warehouses from uh, Betty Rogers who owned Rogers Furniture across the street. Um, we uh, originally renovated the building we live in, 
used the warehouses as a construction site to redo wood and things a lot like Jeff's done in his project lately where he had the building behind it he had to use during construction so we used all this during that time and uh, after we did that um, we had finished the courtyard and uh, started having family and friends to have events and things in the courtyard and um, all that kind of evolved into the Clydesdales coming to town. Clydesdales came here um, about that five years ago when they came came through. Friends said, you know, there's not but one place for them to stay when they come to Anderson is they should stay in your carriage house. And it was an original old carriage house, which is part of the Bleckley now. But they came, uh, 10 horses and a dog, and they stayed a week with us. And uh, every... Um, you know, every night the caretakers were a lot of young people. They had to go out to the interstate to find a place to, to sleep. But uh, it became apparent that the horses had one of the nicest places to sleep since they left St. Louis <laughs> in this carriage house because they typically stayed under a tent somewhere when they went to different communities. So they stayed with us. And uh, it, it was obvious then that we really needed to renovate or do something with these old buildings, and that was the sign. That was, you know, that they were here. They had business downtown, but there was no place for them to stay. So uh, we st actually started the process of uh, renovating the buildings and creating the Bleckley Inn. Was it, a, was it a greater challenge than you expected? Was it harder than you thought it was going to be, or is it, you pretty much knew what you were getting into? Um, no, it, it's, it's a lot bigger and more complicated operation than I realized initially. You know, a lot of my original budgets and things were, I can go back to them and laugh now at the number of people I thought it would take and the operations and, and you know, we've got over 25 employees. It's, uh, and uh, so it's a much bigger operation than originally thought, but, but the concept is still the same. I really went into it with no intention of being an active innkeeper myself. Lynn and I uh, enjoyed being involved in it, but never intended to be every day tied to it. And, and it's worked out that way. We've been able to grow and be large enough that we've had have staff that handles most of the day-to-day -day activities, although I'm, you know, I'm here every day. Right. I had somebody on a few weeks ago bragging about how good, what a good job your wife did on the school board and everything. Yeah. And she was on that. Yeah. Well, what, are you from, you're from Anderson, right? Right. What made you really want to come back downtown to live? To start? What, what sort of started all that? Um, I, I guess it's empty nest syndrome. We, we had a house in the subdivision, um, kids gone, and just the two of us in a big old house in a big yard. And um, over the years, I had, had a lake house, had a, had a space in which a lot of people do gravitate to the lake, and had already done that and really didn't want to go in that direction. Uh, had spent a lot of time traveling. We'd been to, spent some time in New York and uh, liked the urban setting and um, just took a shot at, at calling Mr. Pratt and asking him if he would sell you know, what, what I think is one of the nicest old buildings downtown that, that still had a lot of the character and a lot of the interior left that could be restored. But uh, that's what started it all, and that goes back... Um, probably 10 years ago, that we actually moved downtown and renovated that, that first building. 
Well, the Blackley, I mean, it has quickly developed a, a real reputation for being, you know, sort of the place downtown to stay and all. So I, I'm assuming it's doing really well and it's, it's, it's doing as well as you hoped. And It's, it's doing well. It's still yeah. a small hotel. It's, right. uh, you know, we, we struggle with the fact that we don't have a flag. You know, we don't have, we're not a Marriott or a Hampton Inn where people uh, gravitate to because they get points. Right. So it has been a five-year process of people finding out about us. And, uh, you know, this Thanksgiving is an example of that. We were almost full for Thanksgiving. You know, no weddings, no corporate travelers, but just families. But over the years, every year we'd add a couple of families who would pe have people would come in from out of town and they'd stay with us over the holidays. And Christmas is going to be about the same way. So it's the startup curve, I think, is a lot longer for our top type of operation because we don't have the uh, you know the establishment of, of a chain you know I think you build a chain and you can put up 200 rooms right. and the, the week you open you're you're full right because people are looking on the internet and they're just they're going to stay at a Hampton Inn or a Holiday Inn or whatever it's taken a while for people to discover us right and uh, and, and it's and certainly discover that what you offer is so totally such a totally different experience. Right. Well, so the next phase is the conference center downtown. What? How did how did that get onto your radar? And what made you start thinking about that? Well, it's we've outgrown this space. The right. uh, it's going to be an, an event center. It's, right now we're just saying Blakely Event Center. Okay. We've got a concept of uh, if it turns out and looks the way we want it to, uh, then we we may tweak that name a little bit, but. Uh, it will be uh, 10,000 feet of open space. That's more space than we have here with all of our individual rooms combined. So that's going to give us that kind of space, accommodate up to 500 people under one roof condition. And uh, we hope in prime season that we'd be able to do weddings, you know, a wedding there and one here. But we would push the larger events would go to, the, to that location and possibly at the same time, maybe even have a smaller event here, and we continue to do both. You know, in the in the peak wedding season, which has kind of gotten to be our bread and butter of doing weddings. There. What's the timetable looking like on that? I mean, what when do you want? Hopefully, to... we, hopefully within a year. We just we're really this week just really breaking ground and getting started. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you remember what downtown was like. Uh -huh. You know, growing up and all this was you know it was a real it was the hub economic activity and all. And so um, I think some of the things you're doing are helping bring that back down here. And I think there's some more pieces of the puzzle. I want to talk to Jeff for a second about, Jeff, talk to me about the, the buildings you're renovating and what you've done downtown, because I don't think people know as much about you because they don't get to spend the night. And right, right. And, uh, you know, Steve's going after uh, getting the community involved in, in, in space downtown. And I was, when I was growing up, um, my grandfather would, paint beautiful pictures of what downtown was and the square and how everybody, I mean, that was the uh, hub of downtown, of, of Anderson and what they did on weekends as teenagers. And he painted such a good picture of that, I could still see it. And that's kind of, from very early on, I wanted to be downtown. And I knew right after graduating college and starting my career at Sullivan King that I wanted to be downtown. Uh, and it was right before, uh, it was in, um, 19 uh, or 2000, right? 2000, 2001, I guess, when we uh, decided to come downtown, buy our first building, 
and start the renovation process. And then over the years, uh, Steve and I become very good friends, and that's why we're doing this together because, you know, um, we feed off each other. We learn from, I learn a lot from him. And uh, so we uh, have this uh, common love for these old buildings and just what they tell us and the history. And and every time that he takes a building or uh, whatever, and I we do a building, we save that building for at least another hundred years. And, you know, we see a lot of buildings that need to be saved downtown. And uh, so we, we believe that that's uh, kind of, I don't know if it's our duty, but it does, is a sense of accomplishment when we do take a building from uh, disrepair and and preserve it for the future. Well, remind people what buildings you've been involved in. Um, it's 121 North Main Street is the first one we bought and, uh, and renovated that. And that's where Maddie's downtown located. And we lived upstairs. Uh, we uh, just recently finished 300 North Main Street and moved across the street. And then when we bought 300 North Main, it also came with a garage behind it. So that was our staging area for the remodel of the front building. And when you say we, I remind people, his wife, Didi Waters, also. Yes. Some of you may know yes. her from Sullivan King's. Right. Name. Didi is my wife. Right. And so, um, you know, that's how we kind of got started. But you know, and never, and we've never regretted it. Uh, we've I spent a little time between one house, which is a 121 North Main, and another house at 300 North Main before it was ready, and we spent two months away from downtown, and it killed me. I loved it. I missed it. I wanted to come back. I wasn't happy anywhere else but downtown. And so, what we tried to sell everybody else is that look what's possible in these buildings and inspire other people to come and do the same thing. We, I think we've done a good job of that. We've had a lot of interest in downtown. Downtown has come so far since in the last 10 to 15 years. I mean, my goodness, it has really, but we've still got a long way to go. And uh, we're, we're excited to see that. You know, we hear rumors about the, the future of uh, what people want to do in downtown, and we're trying to encourage that process alone. Well, I know a lot of people probably have seen the Anderson National Bank building there that you've been working on. Tell people what that's going to be in there. What's that about? Which one? The one next to the Calhoun. Oh, that's where I live now. You watched Regents Bank after that. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was, it was yes, Anderson right. National and then Regents Bank. I'm sorry. I'm thinking, I'm flashing well, back. That's here. the one we just finished at 300 North Main Street. State Farm has rented the, the bottom space on the left and the bottom space on the right uh, is still for lease. And then there's two residents upstairs, uh, one being ours and the other one being Ron and Susan Haskell, which owns State Farm Agency downstairs. And uh, so like I said, that was a two year process. It was slated to be one year process. Um, and just like uh, most of the projects downtown, they do tend to go a little bit longer than anticipated and cost a good bit more than anticipated also. So, but you know, you just uh, keep plugging at it and moving ahead. Now in the Maddie space, is there any other spaces downtown here? Because um, what's in there now? Uh, Deja, Deja Vu, yeah, the new, right. it's a fairly new place. Yeah. Very new place. Uh, I did have the uh, cigar bar right. down there briefly for the past you know, year and a half, and then somebody came in behind me wanting the whole space after the pizza buffet went out. So now it's just a nightclub downstairs with the residents upstairs. So uh, um, that's kind of where, where I'm at. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about what does downtown still need? I mean, you guys are sort of filling the spot that uh, Bill Workman and Max Heller filled in Greenville. You know, they kind of went wow. in and had a long-term 
plan. Yeah. I don't know if y'all bullied anybody the way they did, but they did a good job doing it, didn't they? Um, but no, really, I mean, there. A lot of people talk about it, but not a lot of people have taken aggressive leadership to step in and take that leap of faith. I mean, I think about y'all. I think about almost 19 years ago now. Bill Nickus walks in, buys the old Sullivan Bill, and redoes it, and takes a you know from downtown. wasn't looking that exciting. And um, the uh, what does downtown still need? Because the residency part seems to be resonating with people. And the Calhoun's full, and. Um, you know, you're talking about people, yeah, and people are living upstairs, and I know the county, I mean, the city is now trying to, you know, find ways to give grants to do more upfitting and better facades and better signage for new businesses and stuff. That They just met last week to talk about that. And uh, what, what, why do we still need downtown? We need more, more people sleeping. We need yeah. more people living downtown. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not a forced thing. That's natural. That there are people now who would like to buy an apartment uh, condo downtown if it were available so i i have people ask me i, I have a fellow this morning that was in the end who lives in uh, lives in georgia um has business here would like to have a uh, a house here they got a house on the lake they they rent their house on the lake but wants a presence here in anderson once so uh and was asking me if I knew of anything that was being done. So there, there is a an interest in owner-occupied uh, residential downtown. Uh, there's there's a shortage of that. Yeah, I get calls twice a week about. I have a couple small units in that 121 North Main Street that that have long-term residents in there that rent, and I get calls. Twice, like I said, twice a week, we're looking for a place to stay downtown. Um, and I, there's there's people that want to rent. A lot of people are transient for the hospital that are just here for a brief period of time, whether it's six months or two years, and they just want to rent something. Or you've got the other generation that wants to buy and really put down roots in downtown. And we both wish that we had something to offer them. Uh, there's I, still some spaces upstairs over some buildings, right? That need a lot of work. Oh yes, absolutely. Still, there is place. There is, there is places, a place yeah. to expand if we well, can. Well, it's, it's the, the we get into the building code issues. Right. There's there's a change that has occurred. It's kind of gone under the radar, but it is the old the idea of renovating an upstairs place for an apartment or a condo is 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 gone. You can't do that anymore. It the uh, uh, it has to be sprinkled. That happens to me. The, the issue is that they need to be the upstairs to have a residential space above a business. It has to be separated and sprinkled. Right. And um, and this this is a relatively new issue that's having to be enforced. Not only in Anderson. It's not just an Anderson thing. It's it's the yeah. whole country and the whole world really that's adopted the building code. But the building code now says that. You have to have a, if you have a sleeping space that's uh, combined with a business space that has to have sprinklers, that's a big item. That's yeah. a big ticket. Yeah. So, as you said, there are, there are opportunities. There's a lot of second floor spaces that are available, but the economy of scale needs to be large enough that you justify that sprinkler riser, the sprinkler expense, and you've got to spread that out over several units. Mm -hmm. So, doing one unit above a storefront is not, not as economical. Economic. It's, it's not as not, not as right. Yeah. Difficult now. 
What what's missing downtown? If we do get more people downtown, I mean, I hear a lot of people talk about you know maybe a grocer of some sort, you know, retail. We're yeah, still missing we're retail. retail. Yeah, um, kind of recovering from building that courthouse downtown that was not the best idea. <laughs> That's not an economic engine at all, but it's there. So, uh, um, what can we? What do y'all think we can do to bring more retail in downtown? I know. You know well, have, speaking of the, the the government aspect of it, government does. Um, when before the Kroger site just moved a few blocks away, it really um, had a negative impact on lunch downtown. A lot of those folks ate downtown, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the, the people that were coming to pay a tax bill, they would come and pay it and eat or shop or something. I mean, we would really like to have that traffic back downtown. Uh, we've got a parking deck now, um, and it it was relieving. Uh, congestion and short uh, the space at the courthouse, but it also hurt uh, the mom and pops downtown that were relying on that walk, the uh, the walk by business and the, the lunch business. So we really need retail. We really need just more people having a reason to come downtown. And so that's that's our next hurdle to get over is the, the what do you think it'll take to get more retail? I mean, is are incentives like on the books? Like you know, the county will give. Just some pretty creative tax structure incentives to get people in that'll come in and say, yeah, we'll stay 10 years or whatever, you know? And what's it going to take to get people to take a chance on retail downtown? Hmm. You need traffic, you need people. I, there are people who have already tried it. They have, they're, they're folks. I think you should talk to the, the, the couple that did the dress shop at, um, what's the name of that? Yeah. Uh, the one we were just talking about, yeah. Destination 418? Destination 418. I think that's a very good example of somebody who took the plunge, came here from Charleston, open retail space, and see how they're doing. Because that that is your model. I mean, Jeff and I'm in the hotel business, so right. I really can't speak to that. I don't know that much about it. But you've got a couple down there who did exactly what you would ask of anyone to do. It's like they came here, they have a quality product, they got a beautiful shop. And, and see how they're doing, because that's, that piece has already happened. There's, there are people who have taken the plunge, um, but I, I'd like to know how, I don't know how they're doing, but hopefully there's enough traffic that, that, they're, that, that it's working for them. But that's your answer, is someone like that who's already done it. So, we're, we're, what about chasing the bigger, you know, retailers that might come in. Somebody, you know, it was always everybody's talking about a mass general. I mean, that obviously yeah, comes not going to happen. Time. Just not big enough, not yeah. enough traffic. That's not going to happen. I would love just any uh, uh, small clothing shop that a national brand that the young people are buying now. And there's a couple out. There's lots of them out there. Uh, if we could sweeten the pot for them to come with a maybe a five-year commitment and um, where it would be you know, as far as uh, rent, in lieu of rent, just come and be a part of our downtown uh, just to, to try it and prove that it can be done mm-hmm. with, a, with a national brand or something like that. And then- Kind of like Asheville with some of the ones that have come in there. Right. Well, I heard of Asheville, I guess y'all heard that story that in the 80s, they almost raised all those buildings downtown uh-huh. to put an indoor mall. Wow. Yeah, we'll start on all historic buildings in Asheville. Wow, yeah. So, but yeah, you gotta, you've got to somehow lure 
some kind of retail downtown. And that's going to bring, we need to go after the women, we need to go after the kids. And that that will be a huge step for downtown. Well, Carolina Wren Park has been a nice yes. addition. Right. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the unique features of downtown, particularly the little under the bridge area there, where my understanding is those buildings, the bones are still good. Yeah, they're solid. And, they're bridge. It's yeah, bridge. and yeah. you could have, um, you know, sort of almost a continuous Carolina Rim Park down to Underground Anderson and all that. I just, uh, I mean, just hear all these people casting visions for Yeah, these and there's a great vision, and that's part of Kerry Jones's vision that he shared with us before. Right. And I love it. Love, love the idea. Uh, but it's a unique feature that a, nobody else would have. Right. And sense. that's what downtown needs is a unique feature. We don't have a river, you know, we don't have a bridge like uh, Greenville, Fallford Greenville. Uh, so we've got to capitalize and use what we have. And uh, that is a great idea that needs uh, somebody to spearhead it and fundraise. Because it's a great idea. Great, I love it. And, uh, and connecting Wren Park with a possible three acre pond, uh, that would be, and then everything in between, uh, housing around it, that would be a great addition to downtown. And all the bike trails finished to connect everything. Yeah, and, um, it's a great, great idea, a great vision on Cary's part. Um, and it connects to the, the city's master plan with the parks that they did uh, uh, on Murray. It connects all that, so uh, it, but it really needs somebody to plant the flag and say, "I'm going to take this on, and be, I'm, it's going to be my project to see it finished." Because it, it needs somebody. Well, what do you think the city can be ten years from now? I mean, you think we're? I know obviously this is a, the most momentum, and it really just, has, like you said, it's just started in the last ten years. This is the most momentum we've had since downtown sort of took the the dive. Because I mean, I remember downtown being. Mm -hmm. We yes. went all the time. I mean, it was an after the, the shops were full and so let's, before let's, they built a mall. And now malls have sort of become passe to some degree. Right. So let, let's let's just say there's, um, what, what's a number we could put on it that are sleeping downtown tonight? The number of people are from to Calhoun to us, then Chicola. I mean, there may be 100. 100 people. Okay, 10 years from now. What do we think it could be? A thousand. I really do. I really do think that. Uh, I think. And that will bring the kind of things we're talking about. You're right. If we had a thousand people sleeping within Greenville Street and River Street, McDuffie and Murray, that would that would that would take care of the retail, the grocer. Uh, that would be an own little community down here. But it could be. It definitely could be. I think we're a few steps away from really making some big progress. Are there any houses within the, yeah, I know, that's what I was thinking. But are there any houses within the walking distance that still makes sense to, I mean, there's a scattered few, I guess. They're, they're houses, but well, they're businesses. Right? Yeah, right. And uh, we have a house on Cater Street, which is right on Main Street. It's right. a mile from here, a mile from the hotel. And we use that for an extended stay as part of the hotel. I consider that still part of downtown, and that's that's the closest nice housing that you could invest in and feel pretty comfortable about your investment. Right. 
the uh, but but that's there. That's in that little area there yeah. between Main Street and Fant Street. It's not that far. And Dunkin' Donut, I mean not Dunkin', but uh, Krispy Kreme. Mm-hmm. That region right there is a good uh, downtown single-family houses that would be a, a place that people would. And they do. They've already gravitated. There. Yeah, they have. Because when they knocked all that stuff down from Roberts Road, they did redid a lot of stuff in there. So it's in that direction anyway. Because you know downtown, I don't know. Maybe I have. My memory really downtown would sort of been Shining Tower to Vimmer Building, you know, that's sort of yeah. the downtown strip, you know, kind of would describe what's there. That's why I was wondering what housing was available other than just lofts and... Well, I think I think the potential for housing is a, would be a good investment would be um, Calhoun Street, between Calhoun Street and the library. That neighborhood, I think, is very close to downtown, very, I mean, just a stone's throw. The houses are in pretty good shape. The problem is there are a lot of businesses in those houses, right. but those could easily be, there's property there, those houses have been torn down, those can be, be built, single family homes there that have really could, or small condos that kind of like the beach type condos facing the, uh, the library. I think that could really be uh, shot in the arm for downtown also i think and it's a similar challenge they faced in greenville when i mean helen workman went downtown and told all the lawyers you're digging off main street you know and they just said we're we're, we're uninviting you you got two years or whatever you know and we really want to build this into yeah, and, and you mentioned new york and that's certainly crazy for me to think that but i mean in the same terms anybody who's even in greenville or somewhere you know walking a half mile or a mile is nothing yeah, right. we got to get out of that mentality. You, know, you talk about, I mean, yeah. Judge Anderson used to walk from Postel Drive to work every day, and you know, it wasn't that far. I mean, it seems like it because we're so used to just getting in our car and going everywhere. And that's the other thing we have to get over is the the um, the thought of people that they have that downtown was 20 years ago. Right, it was not safe. I'm not going downtown. It would be caught there. I mean, it's people still that stigma is still there i want to meet people who are from here yeah. who have not been downtown in years yeah. it's crazy i mean people from anderson you start saying hey we're downtown right you, you know, not tried some of joe's yeah right i tried sullivan's or wherever yeah. you know and and like, like, oh, there, yeah. i wouldn't go down i'm like you are missing out you are i mean the best food in anderson oh there's no question not, the best food in anderson it's, you know, it's right the, downtown you avoid uh, the boulevard right. and, well, also, I mean, the best accommodations in Anderson. Right? Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. this is an unpaid commercial, y'all. I'm just saying. Know. You can't, you know. There's a stigma. The parking stigma still exists. Exactly. I mean, we had the uh, we had Westside Junior Senior here and uh, had a, a, a dad. Father called up and said, well, my son's coming to Junior Senior. He's going to come downtown. He's going to be at your hotel. Where's he going to park? <laughs> Side of the building. Right yeah, there. There's, there's, Next to the building, there's a parking lot on either side. Right. But the stigma mm-hmm. right. is that there's no place to park downtown. Right. And, that, and that's just that's just not. There's plenty of places here and there to park. Jay Peters is the best example of that. When Jay Peters came downtown, that's a tenant. That's in my building on my street. That was never an issue. John Angel said, "My food's good. They'll find a place to park." Right. And he has never, and there's been, he was, he opened a year before we did, and like been here six years, and it's one of the most popular restaurants on one of the busiest corners in downtown, not across the street from any parking, but somehow people managed to get a parking place and get to that restaurant. Exactly. 
and it's just not an issue. But if you've got something that's good and attractive, people will figure that out. Also, the free parking in the garage. I mean, yeah, plenty of parking. Almost nobody has a free garage yeah. to park in. I mean, people. I don't even think people have been in that thing. I think ninety percent right. of the county barely knows it's there. Right. You know, but you know, you mentioned restaurants too. I do think it's it's worth mentioning. People say another restaurant. Everyone helps the other ones. Everybody I've talked to, it, it, Jay Peters and got some Joes and Bill Nichols and other guys. Every time somebody else opens, it just helps them. It just brings more people down here. It's not like the competition costs right. them anything. Yeah, we, we try to. Think about downtown is competing with right some boulevard instead of downtown competing with itself you know we'd love for people just to come downtown and then decide where they're going to eat and, and they have finally started you know doing that so yeah. well there is there's a huge movement nationally to shop local yes invest local be a part of local we're about to launch this one local dollar thing i'll tell you all about sometime that really talks about keeping the investment here and and not only does it benefit those of us who live here and our families, but when they go out and try to do economic development, they can say, we've got a united community that supports itself and people look out for each other. Particularly international companies, I'm told, that makes a huge difference if they see an engaged community. This is one of the things they're looking for. So. And they do. Economic development uses us and collectively a lot because it is unique. Our, our downtown is unique. You know, our exit 27 or 19 looks like everybody else's exit. It's the same stuff. The Cracker Barrel's there, and McDonald's is there, and, the, and the, you know, uh, it's the same. The thing that makes us unique, and the thing that economic development folks want to show off, is our downtown. Is what because that's what attracts people to a town. Because that's the only thing that separates our town from any other town. Yeah. Because the interstate exits are all the same. Yeah, and the piece of dirt they build on, same dirt. Like the big companies that come, they want to see a downtown, a uh, lively downtown. And that's, we also feel that that's, we're doing our part there too. Uh, what can just average people do? I guess shop local, continue to think about support what, our local people. Think about every dollar you spend and, and, and make sure it goes to somebody that you know. Um, somebody that you're going to ask later on in the year for a donation, uh, whether like we put on a lot of events and then we try to all year long support everybody we know and at the end of the year when we ask them when we're doing a fundraiser and we ask for a gift certificate you know that's who we're going after it's those local people it's not the national chains that uh it's those local people that and the multipliers depending on which one you look at it's three to five times as much money stays in the local economy and that money He's stays right here. Doesn't yeah. go. Doesn't have to sort of struggle through anything else. Was well, there anything I hadn't asked you? We need to say about downtown and about what you guys are doing. I don't, I don't make sure I didn't miss anything. Good. Yeah, okay. that's great. Well, listen. I know Anderson appreciates what y'all are doing downtown because if guys like you weren't doing it, then we would start looking like some of these boarded up downtown because it's individuals right now that seem to be you know driving the the development. And uh, I'm kind of hoping that uh, some of this ATAX money could be used a little more. To, bang, hit downtown and do that. But we do appreciate what y'all are doing, and thank y'all for your time. All right, thank, thank you, you very much. Thanks. These guys are pouring their own money and sweat and passion, as I said, into making downtown Anderson a better place, and we need a whole lot more folks like them. You can join them on their mission, though, by giving and shopping local and taking part in one local dollar and doing a small part. Or if you're an investor, you can invest in downtown Anderson. I think long-term you'll be really happy. We've got some very unique features, as we said, and downtown Anderson can be a very special place.
and we can all do this. And what better time to start thinking about doing this here at the Christmas season? Uh, there's no better time. People are thinking about giving. Speaking of giving, and I want to remind everybody that the Anderson Observer podcast, which is news from people you trust, is made possible by Sullivan's at Brookstone, Anderson's best spot for lunch and dinner Thursday through Friday and lunch on Wednesday through Sunday. Sunday lunch at Sullivan's, finally, at Brookstone. Check them out on Facebook or Sullivan's at Brookstone at sullivansbrookstone.com. Don't forget Bill Nickus, who started Sullivan's, as I mentioned, downtown, who owns Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill and Sullivan's Brookstone. It's giving back this season through Meals on Wheels, so if you buy a... Uh, if you give a $40 donation, you get a $10 gift certificate back to Sullivan's. He's been in the front of the line in helping folks for since they opened Sullivan's downtown. We really appreciate that and want to thank him for supporting our community and being a part of that. Also, this podcast is brought to you by the Tom Dunaway Law Firm. With more than 35 years of experience, Tommy Dunaway can help you with your legal needs while treating you like a member of the family. He always does. Give him a call today at 224-1144 and see how he can help you. He sure has helped me when I need a lawyer. And that's going to do it on this Heading to Christmas edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. I hope to see you Saturday at the Holiday Market, at the Farmer's Market. And next week, we're going to talk about good Christmas gifts with some local folks who know what to suggest and can tell you where to get it. We're also going to talk about the first annual Founders Day event here in Anderson. So Anderson Founders Day, it's going to be the first time it's been celebrated here that anybody can remember, including the people at the museum. Which is it's the day is December nineteenth, and the event is set for ten thirty a.m. at the Anderson County Museum. So hope to see you out there. But we'll talk more about that this coming week. So join us next week for that information and more on the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. And until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. Have yourself. A merry little Christmas Let your heart be light Next year all our troubles Will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay Next year all our troubles will be miles away Once again as in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Will be near to us once more Someday soon So have your
yourself a merry little Christmas night.